Kārehe mutunga o te ako, mai tō whānau tanga mai, tāino ki te wā ka, ka mate atu koe. So there is no ending to learning. Enga mana, enga reo, enga kārangaranga o te motu, nau mai anō ki tēnei hōtaka e kia nei ko te ahikā. Kwao tēnei ko Justin Murray, te kaiwhakarite o aua koero. This is Te Ahika on Radio New Zealand National, where we've got you covered for the next hour, featuring Nā Kaupapa Māori, Māori Stories. It was warm and sunny in Napier for me, but for a group of girls it was slightly nerve-wracking as they prepared mentally and physically for this year's Miss Aotearoa. This we have a selection of all the garments we'll be wearing for the different um, sections for tonight's show. Cool. And, oh, and I see a beautiful korowai. Whose is the korowai? Uh, we have some beautiful korowai from different iwis around New Zealand. Uh, this one's from my grandmother. She's from Tuhui. This one's Amelia's. Amelia. And your one is from... Today wraps up the 60th National Māori Women's Welfare League Conference. It began on Thursday at Omakamarai Blenheim, hosted by, of course, Te Waipaunami Branch. Coming up in an archival recording from 1973, Salwan Muru interviews the then President Miraka Sazi. This uh, criticism about the League members belonging to an elitist group, I don't quite follow the idea uh, because I think of all those original members of the organization, most of them came from the rural areas and most of them came from poor backgrounds. When I think of myself um, coming from the most isolated, backward uh, village in New Zealand, um, having nothing, a child of the Depression, no shoes, nothing, uh, and many of the League members who are being criticised today had that sort of background. That's what's coming up this hour in tonight's edition of Te Ahika. Te Ahika, Radio New Zealand National. Spread throughout Iwi Māori are Māori Indians. Over two and a half thousand Māori identify as Indian Māori. Within the Tuhoi Fano, Miraya Rakuraku grew up believing an uncle of hers was called Matty Carlin. Matty, when in fact his name is Madigan Carlin. He is just one of the many Māori Indians whose parentage is strongly Māori and Indian. From October the 5th until the 7th in Rotorua, a hui hosted by the Hindu Council of New Zealand takes place. The purpose of the hui is to, for our whānau to come together and it's the first Māori Indian hui and it's about whanangatanga. Some of the people that have already rung and asked for information about the hui have said to me things like, I thought I was the only Māori Indian out there and I am so looking forward to connecting and having whanangatanga with other whānau who are Māori Indian. So it's about connecting with others and also majority of people that I've spoken to are strong on their taha Māori and there's very few who know much about their taha Indian. And what, what's your own story, Rowan? Well, mine is, is that I, my mother is Māori, Ngāpui, Nui Tunu, and my father is Gujarati, 
and I was raised on my Māori side. My father passed away about 12 years ago and when he was buried in our urupa, our mother said that she didn't want the kurawai on dad because he wasn't Māori. So I, me and my husband flew to India to my dad's village to get um, material from his village to come back and make um, a kurawai for my dad to go over his kuhatu. And growing up as a Māori Indian? Oh, well, I predominantly look Indian, so I'm told. So all my life, um, I've always been... Uh, I affiliate strongly with my Māori side. However, the public put us in a category and often would see me in particular just as an Indian. I can give examples of where I've been in situations where people are speaking in Māori, didn't realise I could understand what's this Indian doing coming in to our rōpū. So there's often been um, prejudices from our own towards me being an Indian. I don't think it's just me, I think it's been Indian. And what about uh, within your own Fano? I mean, have you seen that there are certain things that, you know, when you're talking about your own whakapapa and you're like, oh, yeah, you're, you, you're like this because you're like dad. You're, you're into this kind of kai because that's what mama's into. I mean, have you found that there are those kind of distinctions made with your own experience? Uh, definitely. I mean, on the Indian side, I, I tend to think that we're all workaholics and <laughs> we we certainly took that on from our father. Not that my mother's not a workaholic, she is too, but our father instilled in us from a very young age. You can achieve and get whatever you want out of this world as long as you work for it. So we grew up with our dad with some really strong values around really strong work ethics um, I, Dad was just such a good safe nurturing man and he wasn't his father died when he was 16 so my father didn't have any strong links back to his own um, Indian heritage which was quite sad and so I feel quite um, privileged and honoured that I'm able to, to go ahead on this journey and learn more about our own whakapapa and through this joint coordination with Waiti Aho, Aho Emery, I've actually made contact with public who knew my grandfather, who knew my koro and my my dad. So that's really exciting because they've gone now, but elderly Māori Indian whānau who are contacting, who want to come, they're asking, what's your relationship to Kishabana, the rest man? I'm saying that was my grandfather. And have you found that there are similarities in terms of tikana between Māori and Indians? Definitely. When I was in India, the whānau concept, whānau hapu iwi is very much in India. I mean, when I visited whānau in Mumbai, um, mum, dad, children still living with the grandparents, um, the hosting, the manaki, the the whole way that we live as a as a whānau is very much, I found the culture of whānau that I lived with. Um, or that I visited when I was in India, the whole manaki, the treating people as rangatira, respecting their elders, is very. there's lots of similarities, even within the celebrations as well. Now tell me about some of the events that are going to take place at this first hui of Māori Indians in October. Well, the first day of the Friday we're going to be getting together and... We're going to have Fanongatanga uh, on the first night, which is going to be an awesome place where we're getting together and 
talking about Kawaio and Daupapa. The second day, we we have got um, some academics coming through to speak to the group. Dr. Lorna speaking, and it, Dr. Is that Dr. Lorna Dial? Yes. Yes. So she's actually going to be speaking on Saturday morning. We've also got um, Dr. Edwina Pure, who actually did her thesis on um, Sari, Māori Indian. Um, um, Māori Indian culture so she's actually going to be um, facilitating uh, that hui with Dr Lorna Dahl and we also have another person speaking um, that day as well and then what we're going to be doing is is looking at um, Hina we're going to be having a workshop on Hina Māori cooking um, putting on the sari and then we, or how to wear a sari, and then in the evening we're going to have a cultural performance from a Indian group that's um, travelled over to New Zealand. They're going to be performing. And then um, more whanangatanga that night, and then on the Sunday we're actually wanting people to share their stories and poems so that we can actually write a book. This sounds like, a book. It sounds like it could be quite, you know, empowering, powerful stuff. Well, I guess what we're looking at is, is that it's actually going to um, it's going to be quite emotional for quite a lot of us because a lot of us haven't had that opportunity to connect with our Indian side strongly. Most of the people who have been registering have said that on the registration form their intent on coming is to learn more about the Indian side. So it looks pretty clear that a lot of people have actually been raised quite strongly on their Māori side and so people are wanting to connect with their um, Indian side. So it's going to be quite a powerful weekend in terms of connecting identity and also um, I guess it's a bit like Lost in Translation where you're getting a whole lot of um, that that heritage of whakapapa all coming back. Now, Rewin, what does Gujarati mean? Uh, Gujarati is like um, the people. So you've got um, Punjabi, Gujarati, and so it's just like Ngāpuhi and Tainui, so I'm of Gujarati descent. Right, so it's like an iwi. Yeah, yeah, it's people, yep. Okay, so in Australia, they've started to call Māori Australians mozzies. Is there a term like that applied to Māori Indians? Um, I'm not aware of one, but I'm sure there's going to be one that's going to be made up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I reckon it'll be quite a hard case to hear the stories about how people's parents and grandparents got together. Yes, yes. It's very exciting. Um, and the the fact that a lot of our Māori, that, um, our Indian that did come out, have connected so much with Māori because of the similarities very exciting and even the religion as well there's so much to learn now it's going to be held at Tangatarua Marae yep and that's in Rotorua yep starts on Friday the 5th of October at 4 o'clock and um, then it concludes on Sunday and as I said on the Saturday we've got our um, keynote speakers who are coming through Dr Edwina uh, Pure will be um introducing our keynote speakers for that day. And then on the Sunday, we're concluding with um, some stories um, and we're looking at, at a book, writing a book. Oh, te taho taku mama no Ngāpu Inui tunu tana iwi, te taho taku papa no Indian tana iwi, um, maru nā mreu mbāna chai, uh, nā Gujarati 
Māori Te. Kia ora, Raywin Bana. We've posted up a few links about the Māori Indian hui. You can head to our webpage right now, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. And why not check us out on Facebook whānau? Just search te ahika, that's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A, and click like. When you think of beauty pageant, what comes to mind? Maybe practised speeches, big hair, bedazzled gowns and a lot of flesh-bearing bodies? Well, maybe on TV, that's what we've seen, but with Miss Aotearoa, well, it's a little bit different. For a handful of girls from around the motu, all strangers, there was a common thread, their give-it-a-go attitude. It resulted in them spending a week together in the Hawke's Bay, rehearsals and a stint at the Te Kuanga Fashion Show, put on by Tamahuata in Hastings, all before the pageant. Now, some had experience in either modelling or pageantry, while a few were simply encouraged to give it a go by their whānau. Here's coverage of the event beginning with Brioni Lay. I was born and raised in Hawke's Bay, and yeah, I've grown up in Havelock North. You're Miss Hawke's Bay 2011. Sure. So you're, <laughs> you're not, you're, are you a seasoned pageant Oh, this is the first pageant I've done. Oh, the like that was the first pageant, so this is, yeah, the second one. This is the second yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, it was terrifying. I originally approached um, Angela about, I just wanted to design some of, like, the pamphlets and tickets and things like that for so it. So you're a graphic artist or? Um, oh, I dabble in <laughs> lots of different you're things. You dab hand at Photoshop. Yeah, I did it for six months in, at <laughs> university, and then I changed again and changed again. Um, oh, okay. But, yeah, I did... Um, I approached her for that and then she asked me to send her my CV so I did and then she got me talked me into entering that one and yeah it was just a really good experience I learned so much about myself and met so many people and yeah Been raised up in Maranui and in Mahia where my dad is from and where I am also from My iwi are Ngati Pahuira Rungomaiwahine and Ngati Purau and um, I'm proud to be from those iwis. To people who don't really know what place um, we're in Hastings or Napier is, well, what kind of place is this to grow up? Like Marainui? Oh, yeah, Marainui. Um, yeah, it's pretty... It's pretty gang-related in our, in our area and a bit lost in society. Love Maranui though. I've mm. my papa's had our house down Charles Corner since my mum and her brother and sister were kids. So it's like our Marai, you know, yeah. sort of thing. So Hinemona, you are you've decided to enter Miss Aotearoa. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why this competition? I seen it as an opportunity for me to break boundaries of my whānau and to be able to be a role model for all my whānau. East Coast Hoopers, Ngātois, all the whānau up there, um, yep. my mahia whānau, Cracknells, Ehus, and all my cousins in mahia. So you're doing this on the back of the whānau, really, yeah. for the whānau? hard out. And, of course, um, my papa, Tuki Huata, um, from Raupunga, which, yeah, pahuera hard. <laughs> so, yeah, I just yeah, want to be able to show them that there is better things out there. Yep. Even, you know, we haven't have, had the greatest upbringing, but 
It's good to, you know, get out there. Marlena Martin. Ko whirinaki te awa, ko tūhoi te iwi, ko Ngāti Whare te hapū, ko Mātātua te waka, ko Murumurunga te marae, uh, nō rotorua ahau. So did you, you did you grow up in Rotorua? I grew up in um, a lovely little place near there, about an hour away, um, Minganui Forest in Te Arawera, um oh, wow. National Park. Yeah. Wow, so um, very rural. Very rural. How many bush how country? Many, yeah, how many people? Um, not very many. I mean, after the industry forest mill um, shut down in, I think, in the 90s, that let a lot of people to leave the village so I think there was around a hundred but everyone's whānau so it's it's awesome. This is a quote from you, I'm quoting you, I've <laughs> taken two years of my life to be there for my sister following a life-changing accident. No feelings can describe how happy I am to see her progress and see her be able to say more each day. She's been the biggest inspiration of my life. So um, can you tell us more about that and what how you took care of your sister or what sure. your sister? Um, so two years ago my Baby sister was involved in a an accident, um, and she was very seriously injured. And she now has a brain injury as a result of that car accident. She's got uh, right side paralysis, uh, has speaking difficulties, and can only use um, has full use of one of her arms. And so, she's just an inspiration. She's come so far, um, and basically, um, I'm. Not only her sister, I'm her caregiver, and um, now that our parents are overseas, they've lived there for six months now to follow their dreams. I'm her guardian as well. Are you talking to your sister that you're entering this competition, or is, do you think she's aware that you're? Yes, yes. Cool. No, she, she's, um, she's, she said, um, I, I asked her if it was okay to come, and she said to go, and that was fine. So she's very supportive of. Um, my dreams as well as me being there for her, she's mm. there for me too. So, Do you think there'll ever be a time, Alina, where you have to balance your sister versus potentially a career out of yes, this? Yes, definitely. Um, no, definitely. You know, whānau is important. Sarah Broderick. Um, some of the other girls have either had experience modelling, were pushed by their whānau to do modelling, or have been involved in other pageants. Um, you, you're not a model. You really in the past haven't shown an interest in, in modelling until... Tell me about the story where and how you came to be in the Miss Aotearoa competition. I decided that I wanted to treat myself, and I saw a Grab One special <laughs> on a website, and it was Karen um, Marine Photography out in Auckland and I thought oh that looks amazing it was a $25 coupon for some glamour shots so I decided to take take the opportunity up challenge myself I went along with a couple of dresses had no idea <laughs> what I was getting myself into um, I've never posed so they the photographer kind of gave me the direction and the photos came out really amazing and I had some amazing feedback from work colleagues and my family. And then what happened? Did they say, oh my gosh? It was my mother. For a long time she's been encouraging me, you know, you should try acting or singing or, or modelling. Um, it's never been my forte or my area. I've always had a strong interest in business. But I said to mum, you know, I will give it a shot. So I uh, set a Star Now profile up and... Miss Aotearoa New Zealand was the first opportunity that I saw. Amelia Mufflet. First of all, where does the Mufflet come from? Where's um, that name from? It's from my dad. My dad was adopted, actually. Um, it's an English name. 
Yes. You are Ngāti Kahungunu? I am. So, so mum's Māori? Mum's Māori, she's a penny. Oh, yep. she's a penny. Yeah. Where is your, your marae? My marae, Haungere from Pakipaki. Yeah. So, Amelia, you um, have decided to enter Miss Aotearoa. Why yes. this competition? Why? I I was asked to. They told me I could. and Cool. I really wanted to, but I was too fucking ma. And too shy. They asked me, and yeah, I just thought that would be a great challenge, something new out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. You attend Karamu High School. Yes. At 18 years old, is this something that you want to do? Like be a model, be... I have modelled before. Um, this will be my second year in the modelling scene. Um, but so the, you know how to strut your stuff on a catwalk. I do know how to strut, <laughs> but the pageant is so different. It just it feels a lot different. Not only was Angela Cudd the main organiser of this year's pageant, but she was the reigning Miss Aotearoa for 2010-2011, until, of course, she had to hand over the coveted crown. But I've also taken on another role um, as the pageant director, so that's my main thing. Stressful? Yes. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think I would be Handling lying. media? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's more fun, that part. But I think it's more the organisational um, side of things where you have to know ten, like 10 million things at once and coordinate them and then as well as holding down a nine to five job mm, that's mm. a really really tough thing so you've got quite a um a good bunch of girls really good bunch of girls i am so happy you yeah. have no idea like these girls are, i go home every day and i'm just they're so incredible like when i first met them i was thinking oh you know we're gonna have to have their meals ready for them and we're gonna have to create rosters for dishes and stuff these girls just do they're so competent mm. they do everything for themselves and they're like Angela do you want me to do anything else um, I'm stoked Miss Aotearoa you, you've well literally really gone from being in front of or well, in front of the the, the scene to behind the scenes how has that transition been for you do you know what this year it's hard <laughs> because I'm both at the moment yeah so does that mean you have to hand over your crown on um, Saturday so you're organizing everything like, oh, that's what I have to rush on stage and give my crown over. I'm, I'm nervous about that part because for the longest time I was really calm about it. You know, I was very technical, I'm handing over my crown. And then, like a week ago, it hit me and I just had a moment where I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I texted and Facebooked all my friends and I, I told them, you have to come and make sure you're in the front so that I actually hand it over because <laughs> we might have a moment. So Miss Aotearoa, I'm a... Um the name or the brand, mm -hmm. I should say, Miss Aotearoa, every girl has to be Māori? We, we thought about this really long and hard, and I ended up talking to Tama from the Waiata Māori Music Awards. Huata, Tama Huata. Yeah, Tama yep. Huata. Um, and we, we talked about what his criteria were, yep. and we basically decided that you either needed to be Māori, like whakapapa back, yes. um, or you needed to be accepted by the community. Um, if you can get Komatua to endorse your application as having been raised in Te Ao Māori, not just get five Māori people to say that yeah, you're right. cool, um, but if you're actually you know, involved mm. in the community, then we'll consider your application. Um, I can say all the girls this year whakapapa back to mm. Te Ao Māori. And what strikes me, and I, I mean, I'm like, I'm, I may be biased here, but we have some really beautiful Māori-looking girls, don't we? Yeah, we These do. These are really green yeah. eyes, fair skin, black hair, dark skin. Mm. It's just um, 
What's your experience in, in, in dealing with um, being involved with the pageant in terms of Māori and how we look? Like, looking at me, like, people can't see me now, but you yeah. can. Yeah, very fair. Yeah, very fair. Um, sometimes, like, people know something's different about me. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's hard to tell these days what does a Māori look like because mm. we're everything in between these days. Mm. Um... I think Māori women are beautiful. I like my favourite thing in all of every photo shoot that I've done, my favourite one has been when I dressed up full kōrawai, greenstone, kōwai, black lipstick, you know, really mm. traditional old school. What do you say to those who think that um, pageant comp- or pageants are shallow? Um, enter one. Enter one <laughs> and then come back and tell me what you think. Um, enter Miss Aotearoa. That's what you... <laughs> Miss Aotearoa, I've done both mainstream and Miss Aotearoa. I've benefited from both. Uh, but, yeah, Miss Aotearoa, it hits a special place. Miss Aotearoa dressing room. Now, I hear that there's a talent section. Yeah. What, what, can you, what can you tell me about the talent section? Oh, I won't say anything <laughs> too direct, but there's a lot of awesome stuff that these wonderful ladies have got in store for all of the guests tonight. That's all I'll say. Now, ladies, how much flesh are you showing? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> really? No, no, <laughs> no not, not quite stripper material, but you're going to be burying a bit of flesh. We're going to be classy. 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 Yes. We do a sarong section instead of the bikini. So we're a oh, bit that's more good. Yeah. This we have a selection of all the garments we'll be wearing for the different um, sections for tonight's show. Cool. Just, yeah. Oh, and I see a beautiful kōrōwai. Whose is the kōrōwai? Uh, we have some beautiful kōrōwai from different iwis around New Zealand. Uh, this one's from my grandmother. She's from Tuhui. This one's Amelia's. Amelia. And your one is from... Ngāti And we have Esther's beautiful kōrōwai. Hey, Angela. Come in, come in. So you're Miss Hawke's Bay. Oh, this year. Where did you get that crown? Oh well, so so you're gonna need. Sorry, what's your name? My name's Alex. Alex. So Alex, what's your tips to the girls? Um, yeah, just be confident and be yourself. That's the most important thing. I mean, it's all about who you are, not what you look like, really. So. Okay, girls, quickly. Um, tips. Uh, how are you feeling? Kiaofano, Marlena here. I'm feeling a little bit nervous, but anxious at the same time. Can't wait to. Starting in the show, and looking forward to seeing my Fano. Kilda Fano, this is Sarah here. I'm I'm actually really excited. I think I've been a bundle of nerves today, but once I put that sash on and I walk out on that stage, um, I'm no longer just Sarah. I'm Miss South Auckland, uh, 2012. So very excited. Kilda Fano, Amelia here. I walk out on stage and say a little thing in my head like, you can do it, you can do it. Inspirational speech in my head, yeah. Kilda everybody. Just having a quick snack before we um, get into our big night. Yeah, feel like I just need a whew, deep breath. Kilda, Brioni here. Um, I'm a little bit anxious but excited at the same time. Excellent, excellent. Okay, girls, good luck, eh? I'll see you guys. Okay, see ya.
At the start of the event, the girls wore their traditional gowns. Here they explain both the hometown and the inspiration of their dress. I am proud to be standing in front of you all today on behalf of my whānau, who are also my sponsors. I'm also a proud descendant of Ngāti Pahuera, Rungo Mai Wahine, and Ngāti Whorau. My traditional wear is inspired by my name and tangaro, and the power symbolises a New Zealand delicacy which is pretty hard to get these days, but if you live where I'm from, it's just... Kia ora whanau. My name is Sarah Taimana Broderick, and I'm honoured and privileged to be representing my hometown of South Auckland. I'm of uh, Ngāpui and Tūhoi descent. My... My traditional gown is called Structured Mana. It's, an, it's a fusion of a, a take of modern Māori fashion. And um, I just wanted to add a little bit of femininity. And the weaving has uh, been done by my local marae back home, Papakura Marae. Kia ora, thank you. Kia ora, koe satora murae tōku ingoa. He uri tēnei no ngātihine, no ngāpuhi, me ngāti parau. The tassels and the muka, the simple flowness of the tassels and the muka, they signify my journey through Kurokai Papa. The colours of the muka are an incorporation of my Scottish and Irish heritage. Tinarawatikoto. I am also proudly of Ngāti Kahamunu descent. My gown, the weaving in the front of my dress represents the flounder, which was caught by my atipuna uh, in our local swamp, the Pika Pika swamp. Um, the red and black represents my Māori whakapapa. The tartan represents my Scottish lineage. Um, to the Grand Clan. Kia ora. My name is Marlene Martin. I'm a proud descendant of Tupoi and Te Arawa. Uh, my garment is inspired by the Kuruwai. I used white tassels and brown feathers to resemble the birds of a feather. Uh, the maroon colouring represents the beauty of the land. Kia ora. Kia ora everybody, my name is Brianne Lay. I'm a <coughs> proud descendant of Ngāti Kahu. My traditional outfit is inspired by the traditional Māori tūpū. I actually designed it from a door hanger, so to me... <laughs> it also represents opening new doors, moving on to new things in life. Okay, just seeing Murray here with uh, Ngākai Whakawa, the judges of Miss Aotearoa 2012. Kia ora. Kia ora. Um, I'm Helen Cudd, the head judge, and um, 
we're having a great night here tonight and we've seen some wonderful things with the girls. Um, we've got a good crowd and um, we're just waiting now for the final result and um, yeah we're just looking forward to seeing who is actually taking the title out this So all the paperwork's done? All the paper's done and dusted. Heather Skipworth. Oh, I it's awesome, the, um, the talent, it's, as you know, it's not just about beauty, but they are absolutely beautiful, but the difference is they're beautiful from the inside first and then the outside, Noreda Tenako too. Hi, I'm Kirsten. Um, yeah, my thoughts, I, I like it, I'm, I'm impressed. It's not a beauty pageant, it's a, it, there's so much more depth to it than that, and I'm just, the girls, you know, we've met the girls, and I've met them every day this week, and I've got to see them, and I, I just love them all. They just, you know, it's going to be, it makes it really hard. Uh, John Ireland. And what's your um, work? What do, you, what do you do? I'm a journalist with the Napier Courier newspaper. Wow. So um, your involvement with Miss Aotearoa, how's it, how's it been tonight? Um, I think I may be ner- more nervous than the ladies are. <laughs> you know, you always see these uh, contests for, and you think, boy, I'm sure glad I don't have to judge that. And all of a sudden I am judging it sort of thing. So um, I have no idea. There are six beautiful, talented women, and any one of them would be perfect. And it's almost too bad that only one of them can win. I've been very impressed. And our winner is Marlena. Congratulations! Kia ora! Kia ora! Thank you! Congratulations! How do you feel? I feel like I'm wearing the wrong sash. <laughs> Your whanau here? Oi, this is my sister. She's come from Botswana to be here for me. What's your sister's name? Tui. Tui. This is Tui. Oh. This is Justine. Kia ora, So what now for you? What now for you, I plan on representing Te Ao Māori and na, na, na Māori wahine throughout New Zealand the best way possible that I can. Kia ora and yes, a big congratulations to all the girls. Now Marlena will go to represent Aotearoa at Miss South Pacific, which is happening in early December at Pango Pango American Samoa. There are pictures. Head now to our webpage radioNZ.co.nz forward slash Te Ahika. I'm Justine Murray and this is Te Ahika. The contribution that Jackie Tekani made in Māori broadcasting is evident today. As Iwi Radio and Māori Television, along with its second channel, Te Reo, continue to thrive. Jackie was a board member of Te Māngai Pāho for eight years and served as its chair from 2005 to 2010. She also served as president of Te Ropu Wahine Toko Iteora the Māori Women's Welfare League from 1999 to 2002. And up until her death on September 11 this year, she was the league's general manager. No doubt the recent loss will be felt as the Māori Women's Welfare League wind up their 60th national conference today held at Ōmaka Marae Blenheim since Thursday. In our archival recording, Ngā Taonga Kōrero, we're going back to 1973 with the then-president, Mirakasazi, an educationalist and a protégé of Dame Fina Cooper, discussed the League's role in both social and political forums with interviewer Selwyn Muru. Hi. 
Welcome again to Te Punawai Kōrero, a weekly digest of life in the north. Enga iwi enga reo, enga huihui nga tangata. Kia ora moe no katoa. Following the National Conference of the Māori Women's Welfare League in Rotorua recently, Mrs. Miraka Sazi was elected as the League's new president. For many years now, Mrs. Sazi, the first Māori woman to gain a Bachelor of Arts degree, has played a lead role in education, welfare, and the spearheading of the teaching of the Māori language. In this program, I discuss with Mrs. Sazi her future aspirations as president of the League, the League's role in the urban situation, and ways and means of making the organization meaningful to the women of Māridom. Mrs. Sazi begins now by talking about her initial involvement with the League. Well, I think it begins right back when the League started. That was when I first began with the League um, in 1951. Um, I was with Fina Cooper, in, in fact, sitting beside Fina Cooper when the first conference was held and sort of egging her on to make uh, appropriate statements at the right time. So that was my first beginning with the League. Soon after that, uh, I was seconded from the Department of Māori Affairs to become the secretary of the Māori Women's Welfare League. What sort of impact did Fina have on you? I, I believe she still looks on you as her protégé. Tremendous impact. I, I can't really explain the effect she had on me. She was a tremendous leader and uh, so much energy and vitality and most important of all, I think she had vision. She was always thinking of ideas and full of uh, plans for the future and uh, this is the thing about her that uh, I admired most. During the early years of the League, it was rurally based and members were communally or orientated and easy to, to get to. Now that they've moved into the urban areas, what approaches do you envis envisage of making the aims and philosophies of the League meaning meaningful to them? This is a very difficult situation we're in at the moment, and uh, as the League is, uh, I do not think that we can so easily cope with the urban problems. I feel that at this stage we need to turn some of our members into community workers and uh, by that I don't mean purely voluntary. I hope that somehow, uh, somewhere, finance will be forthcoming to help these members become fully-fledged community workers and through them perhaps the League could really get at the grassroots and get at the people scattered around the city. How significant is the involvement of Pākehā women in, in the organisation? Well, quite significant, I think, especially in the city situation now. Uh, they come in, and not only do they come in because they wish to help us, but I think that the organisation itself gives them something to do and fill in their time too, and it is support for some of these uh, more middle-aged Pākehā members, I think. In the play centre area, there has been a conflict of Māori and Pākehā values. Any danger of the leadership role by Māori women in the League being displaced by Pākehā, who have the expertise often, often necessary for the smooth running of any large organisation? This is always a danger, and this was the problem with Māori women in the beginning, when they belonged to all uh, European organisations. They 
always found themselves at the back of the room because of the Pākehā expertise and leadership. And so when our organisation was formed, this was something that they could uh, use and become self-determining individuals, working out their own problems themselves. So in the play centre area, I think there is still a danger that they might be replaced. So somehow we've got to train our women in leadership and also um, encourage them to use some of their own Māori ideas and values in these play centre um, agencies so that they don't feel that they're always uh, taking second place to the expert in this field. I heard it once said that the League is the original women's liberation movement of this country. Well, I've always felt that the League was and still is the Māori Women's Liberation Movement uh, because, of course, uh, when the tribal committees were formed, they were formed on traditional lines and traditionally Māori women were not allowed uh, to speak on the marae that is in the in some of the southern tribes and because of this uh, they were not able to express their feelings regarding their own situation uh, secondly the um, ideas that the men discussed in their tribal committees were largely geared to the community and community needs whereas for the women they really needed to get uh, the thinking of the community more geared to the home, the family, the child, and the mother, and the mother's problems regarding the rearing of children. Uh, these were the problems that the women were really uh, thinking about and wanting to discuss, and they could not do this in the tribal committee situation. Are you satisfied with the effectiveness of annual representations by the women to government? Uh, not entirely, uh, except that uh, I think that the women are so uh, geared to their annual conferences and working through the conference rather than the newer methods of approaching government that it will take some time for their thinking to be changed towards another way of approaching the government. And it took us, what, 21 years to teach them how to handle their affairs in conferences. It'll take us time again to adjust their thinking to newer ways and newer methods. And I think perhaps it's not so urgent that they do this because I'm hoping that the cooperation and the unity which has begun between the two leading Māori organisations, the Māori Council and the League, uh, will bring about a situation where we will divide our responsibilities. The men are more expert in handling news media, in handling government, in, in legal affairs, in land affairs, so I'm hoping that if they can handle those problems, we the women can then go back and get closer again to the original idea of the League that is working with the mother, the child and the home. The League in the past proved itself to be an effective pressure group, even forcing the government on occasions to change their policies overnight. Can it still wield the, the same power? Uh, I think it can uh, do the same thing, but uh, it needs to reorganise itself again. Um, Selwyn, 
I think I must go back to this idea of liberation again. The League, for the first 10 years, did wield this power and pressured the government in every field of Māori need. But when the Māori Council came into being, uh, it somehow replaced the women in that they took again their status as, uh, their traditional status as the number one leaders of the Māori people. And the women who were in the League during that time again took a second place and accommodated the men. So in, in effect, they retreated back to their traditional role of being second to the men. That's what happened during the second 10 years of the League's existence. Now, what is going to happen in the future uh, is not quite certain in my mind, except that I hope that the two uh, groups, men and women, will work together and work as equals. Since the inception of the League, the organization expressed concern and interest in the Māori language and things Māori to take their rightful place in New Zealand society. How far have you succeeded in this? Well, it has been a very long and s slow process, and perhaps the young folk could rightly say uh, that the way that we do things is too slow for them. However, this is the way we've done it, and there's no turning back the clock. Uh, in some areas we have been successful, but as you know, uh, it's only now that the Māori language is being introduced in the training colleges, and this was one of our original policies. Mira, one hears claims from time to time that the League is becoming a snob organisation for the elite. What are your views on this? This uh, criticism about the League members belonging to an elitist group, I don't quite follow the idea, uh, because I think of all those original members of the organization. Most of them came from the rural areas and most of them came from poor backgrounds. When I think of myself um, coming from the most isolated, backward uh, village in New Zealand, um, having nothing, a child of the Depression, no shoes, nothing, uh, and many of the League members who are being criticized today had that sort of background. And if they have uh, developed a respect for themselves, they have done it through their association with the League. The League has given them confidence, a feeling of security, a feeling of respect for themselves. I understand also there is a criticism directed against our members in that they are um, involved with just kit-making and platting and things like this. This to me is, is, is great. I can't see why they should be criticized in this way because through these arts and crafts, and especially if there are European women involved in learning these crafts, there is communication going on and an exchange of cultural ideas and values um, underlying these uh, activities. Tēnā no rākwe e mira, mō tēnā kākahu whakahirahira, and 
an archival recording from 1973. Dame Mirika with interviewer Salwin Muru. To listen to the kōrero again, you can head to that webpage, of course, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika, that's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A. Anaira Sophie Nock with this week's Whakatauki. Kārehe mutinga o te ako, mai tō whānau tanga mai, tainō ki te wā ka, ka mate atu koe, kārehe mutinga. So there is no ending to learning, from the womb to the tomb, they say in, in uh, Kohangareo. Kia ora. Next week, Maria has a chat with Māori actor, writer and director Tammy Davis. And I'm with musician Leon Farekura, who talks about his mentor, Billy T. James, his career in Australia and why he decided to come home. All next week. He mihi ki ngā kai kōrero i tēnei wiki, ka tuku te mihi ki ngā kai mahi rorohiko, hoki mai hei tērā rātapu e heke mai nei. Mauri ora.